ask you to keep your Bibles open as we work through this passage of Scripture together as our new study of the letter of Paul to the Philippian believers. We'll, in the light of Thanksgiving, upcoming Thanksgiving Day and Thanksgiving service, the uh, title of the sermon today is Giving Thanks for Gospel Fellowship. Let's pause for just a minute and ask God to help us today. Lord, we do love you. We do give you praise today. We thank you for the opportunity, the privilege, the freedom that it is to be able to gather together, to assemble, to sing praises, Lord, to give of the blessings that you've given to us, and Lord, to gather around your word, to encourage one another, to hear from you today, Lord. We ask that you would speak to our hearts. We ask that you would accomplish your will in our lives Give us direction, Father. Give us strength and grace and faith where needed. Give us conviction, Lord, and and courage where needed. Father, you have uh, a a word for each and every one of us that's louder than than my voice today. And, And as we open your living word and think about thanksgiving We ask that you would make us, Lord, a a constant, thankful people. Again, we just, we bow in your presence. We honor your name. We ask that you would glorify yourself through the work that you accomplish in us today. And we give you praise for all of it. In Christ's name, amen. So we're celebrating Thanksgiving in just a couple of weeks And here in our text, we've read Paul's thanksgiving prayer. And Paul usually, he he usually opens his uh, letters in this kind of a pattern. He has a greeting, then he shares a thanksgiving, and then he shares a prayer for those whom he's writing. And that's certainly the pattern we see here in Philippians. Paul begins his letter giving thanks. Giving thanks is actually not a bad way to begin a letter. It's actually a great way to begin just about anything. He, Paul begins his prayer this way. It's, it's good to begin our days this way. It's good to begin conversations this way. It's good to begin our outlook in this way. It's hard to go in a wrong direction. It's hard to take a wrong move or a wrong turn when you begin with thanksgiving, when that's our starting point. Because when, when we give thanks, when, when we understand the nature of thanksgiving, that God is gracious and we are undeserving and God is good and faithful and we are blessed, it not only sets the tone for whatever comes next, but it sets the heart. It sets the heart in the right disposition, giving thanks. Remember, Paul is, as we've said, he is now in being imprisoned in Rome when he's, he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi, and it seems that he can't stop talking about joy. 
He just brings it up all the time. You've heard the expression, he's, he's just happy to be here. Well, you, you could say that of Paul, but the interesting thing is that he's being imprisoned. So how, how and why? And, and one of the reasons for this seemingly unshakable joy is that his starting point, his beginning point is thanksgiving, being thankful. Specifically, Paul is in these opening verses, he is thanking God for Christian fellowship, for gospel fellowship, for the unity and the family of those around the gospel. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the strength and the encouragement that we draw from one another, Paul is thankful for. Believers may be separated by distance, but fellowship in Christ cannot be broken. Paul is separated from these Philippian believers, but the sweet fellowship that they enjoy in being in Christ together means just as much to Paul, even maybe even more so to Paul uh, concerning his location. Last month, if you remember for our missions day, Dr. Sam Thomas was from India was here with us and Summer and I haven't seen Sam in years, but when we met he and his wife Shelly for dinner, it was it was just like we picked up right where we left off. You know people like that. You have fellowship with people like that in the Lord. Gospel fellowship. It's how we encourage. It, it's one means of joy for people of faith. By the way, I'm just, I'm, uh, just as a side note, a prayer request. Um, I got a text from Dr. Sam this morning. If you're familiar with World Vision International, it's a huge child uh, sponsorship, orphan care uh, program. The, uh, the government of India just shut down World Vision in India. 240,000 children will now be displaced from their orphanages with no one to care for them. So huge prayer request for India, huge prayer request for World Vision, and for orphanages like Dr. Sam's Hope Givers that are still trying to care for children in India. So let's pray for those. Look with me then at verses 3 and 4. Verse 3 says, I, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Paul says, I'm, I'm giving thanks. And then in verses 5 through 8, we read his thanksgiving. Then in verse 4, Paul says, always, so he's always giving thanks, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. So verses 9, 10, and 11, that's his prayer. So this morning we're looking at his thanksgiving coming from verse 3 and, and then the Lord willing will soon be looking at his prayer in verses 9 through 11 coming from verse 4. So let's take a look at why Paul is thankful in these verses. Num number one, Paul is thankful for gospel partnership, for working together, the, the work that comes together that is needed, the needed 
togetherness of God's people to advance the gospel. Paul is thankful because the Philippians have always been a partner with him in spreading the gospel. Look at, look at verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. From the very beginning until even now, even this day. So we know the, that Paul is under house arrest in Rome and the church has sent him a love offering and more than likely Paul doesn't own a house in Rome. More than likely their gift is paying his rent. Now how, how is that being a partner in the gospel? Paul, Paul doesn't say, thank you for paying my rent. Paul says, thank you because of your partnership in the gospel. You see, by meeting his immediate need, his rent or whatever it might be, that freed him to continue to focus on the ultimate need. His ultimate place is to advance and further the gospel. And we see that's precisely what's been happening. Look at verses 12 and 13. Drop down just a few verses and and see, well, what's Paul been doing all this time under house arrest? Look at verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, being in prison in Rome, has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul has been busy sharing, spreading the gospel. Notice Paul says this church has partnered with him in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul was, of course, Utilized, instrumental there, used by the Lord to begin to take the message of the gospel to Philippi and to see that, earth, that first church there in Philippi begin to form from these early believers. And they've always, since they've known Paul, they've consistently supported him, supported his work to, to enable him to continue on his mission, continue from town to town, place to place, in order to share the gospel. So it it was just in the very beginning of this church. The church began to form, and as soon as they began to form, they began to give to gospel causes. They've always been willing. They've always been ready to give. They've always been opening their treasures, opening their hands. Lydia opened her home. The Philippian jailer fed and cared for Paul and his friends. Look, look with me, turn with me over to uh, chapter 4 of Philippians. In chapter 4 and verse 16, look, look at this verse. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So they... They sent support to Paul when he was in Thessalonica. If we had time, we'd turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 9, and see that they supported Paul when he was in Corinth. This time, they sent support through the hand of Epaphroditus to Paul while he's there in Rome. As Paul has been going throughout the region, throughout the area, from place to place, nation to nation, taking the gospel, behind him has been this support system that's enabled him to continue to go. And that support system 
has been the church at Philippi to continue in ministry. So Paul is thankful for gospel partnership. Jesus said, when you give a cup of water in my name, you give it to me. In the same way, Paul is saying, when you have supported me, when you have given to meet my needs, you have supported the gospel, you've allowed the gospel to continue. To advance the gospel, to see the gospel continue to go to the nations. There are some that have to be called, some that have to be sent, some who have to be willing to sacrifice and go. But there's some who have to remain and pray and support and be the foundation and support for the messengers who are going. Paul is thankful for gospel partnership. Paul is thankful. Next, we see Paul is thankful for gospel hope. This is verse 6, our treasure verse for the month. We're going to come back and, and visit this verse in more detail, actually for our Thanksgiving service. But for now, let's just make a a few notes of what Paul is thankful for. He says, I am sure of this. I'm sure of this. Paul is absolutely confident of the Philippian believers' faith, that they truly know the Lord, that that their following of Jesus Christ is genuine. Why? Because they've been so faithful. They've been so generous for the sake of the gospel. There's no doubt God has done a work in their lives. They they are so thrilled to have the gospel, they in turn want to be a part to, to share the gospel, to make sure that others have the gospel. When the gospel changes us and and brings us new life, when we understand that, that the answers, that life, that salvation, that all we've been looking for is found in Christ. There's something about it that that we want to see that gospel. We want to see that new life in those around us and in those we've never met. When we are truly in the kingdom, it, it becomes a burden. It becomes a priority in our lives to see others in the kingdom. And sometimes we just have to evaluate, don't we, where, where our priorities are in light of who we are in Christ. And maybe ask ourselves some, uh, during this Thanksgiving season, some soul-stirring question like, how long has it been since we've actually agonized with God in prayer for the soul of someone who is apart from Christ? How long has it been since we've invited someone who needs the Lord to come to church with us or we've sat down and shared our testimony or we've invited them into our home and and sought to be a blessing to them, a friend to them, to be able to invite them at some point to trust Christ? When was the last time we gave of the things that God has given to us, our, our money, our time, our, our strengths, the, the things we're able to do that, that we might be an encouragement to someone, that we might display the gospel to someone, that we might encourage someone to follow us in trusting Christ? You see, the church at Philippi, at Philippi they, they loved Paul, but they, they also loved what he was doing. When we love to spread the gospel, support the work of the gospel, that that means we we love Christ. You don't love the gospel without loving Christ. He is the gospel. 
And when we love Christ, it, it means the Lord has done a work of, of grace in our lives. Paul says, I am sure of this. There's no doubt in his mind. You see, we, we talk about the things that we love. We get involved with the things that we love. When Paul says, I, I'm, I'm thankful because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, he's sure of God's work of grace in their lives. And here's the gospel hope we have. If God has begun the work of salvation in you, he will finish it. God will finish the work that he started. If you have come to Christ, it is because God has brought you to Christ. That's the first step. John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And if the Father draws him to me, Jesus says, I will raise him up on the last day. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I will raise him up on the last day. You see, if we could be saved today and lost tomorrow, if we could cling to the promises of God today and, 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 and them slip through our fingers tomorrow, if we could embrace Christ as our all today and lose Christ tomorrow simply because we have sinned, that would mean that God's not faithful enough, he's not powerful enough, he's not gracious enough to finish what he started. Our salvation was never ours to begin with. It was the work of the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. A doctrine of salvation that includes the possibility of losing our salvation doesn't make man look any worse. We're already sinners. That's why we need a Savior. We can't do this. We can't even complete it. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. It's God's grace all the way through. Bringing us to Christ, keeping us in Christ, bringing us to Christ forever and ever. And when God start, starts a work, this is our gospel hope. When God starts a work, he attaches his name to it. And if his work fails, that means he fails. That means his, the glory of God is on the line. God will never fail. If you have truly trusted Christ, embraced him as Lord and Savior of your life and been transformed by his grace, born again to a brand new life in Christ where Christ is your everything, you will never be lost. In Numbers 14, remember that story, the people of Israel being uh, delivered from Egypt and on their way to the promised land and they begin to grumble, they begin to complain and they say, oh, why is the Lord bringing us to this new land? Wouldn't it be better to go back to Egypt? Can you believe that? Grumbling and complaining. And, and the Lord told Moses, I'm just going to let them have what they want. If they don't want me to bring them to a new land, I'll just remove my protection and 
They can do what they want to. And Moses prayed, Lord, if you do that, all the nations will say the Lord swore to bring this people to a new land and he wasn't able to do it. He wasn't able to do it. You see, the hope of our salvation is, is tied to the glory of God. It, it's, not, it's not our perfection. It's not our performance that's our hope. It's the glory of God in being gracious to undeserving sinners. When God saves us, he keeps us, he sanctifies us, he grows us up in Christ until the day Christ comes to receive us forever. And all of it is to the glory of God. Ephesians, to the glory and praise of God forevermore. Paul is thankful for gospel hope. God will finish what he begins. I am sure of this. The third thing, Paul is thankful for gospel company. God is thank, uh, Paul is thankful for gospel company. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you all. It's right for him to have all of this hope and, and all of this thanksgiving. It's right for him to, to have this feeling about these believers to be so confident in their salvation because of their partaking of, of, of grace with him. In other words, he's saying they are gospel company. They are gospel companions. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. They're in this together. They've stood with Paul as he has stood for the gospel. They have been with Paul throughout his ministry. They have stood with him even when he's been in prison. They are with him. And he's thankful. He's thankful for that gospel companionship. And it has produced a deep affection in Paul. He says he holds them in his heart. I hold you in my heart. Because when times were really tough, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel... You all are partakers with me of grace. That gospel company has produced a deep affection in Paul, a deep bond in Paul between he and these believers. He longs for them, he says, with the affection of Christ. He loves them with the love of the Lord. That, that bond, that fellowship is in the gospel, it's in Christ, and it runs deep and it cannot be broken. And it's precisely those types of gospel bonds that feed our joy. You see what Paul says in verse 4? Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. In verse 3 he says, I remember you. And in verse 4, he says, and that brings me a lot of joy. It's precisely those types of gospel bonds that united in Christ, united in the gospel, the things that matter the most, standing together for the advance of the gospel, bringing people to Christ that feed our joy when circumstances threaten to eat it away. If anything could have taken Paul's joy, it would be this. 
And yet in the middle of this, he remembers believers. He remembers his faith family. And he has joy. Which tells me this, dear friend, dear church, church family, Christian fellowship is far more precious than we realize, far more valuable than we understand. And that's why Paul is thankful for gospel company. Two takeaways for us this morning in Paul's thanksgiving for the church at Philippi. Number one, we can learn from the Philippians, can't we? The Philippians have been faithful, they've been generous, they've been supportive, they've been involved in gospel ministry. Even when they could not go themselves, they've made sure someone was going, someone was telling. We, we can learn from Philippians to do all that we can with what we've been given to advance the gospel, to encourage those and support those who are called to gospel ministry, who are sent, who are going, who are sharing, to pray and support and encourage as they have been, to bring joy to those who may be in joyless situations because of the gospel. We can learn from the Philippians, and we can learn from Paul, can't we? When it seems there's no reason to be thankful, I can imagine myself. Can you imagine sitting down and saying, man, I, I need to send an email or I need, to, I, need to, I need to write a letter and being in prison for the sake of the gospel? How would I start that letter? I'm not sure I would start with being thankful. We can learn from Paul, can't we, that when there seems to be no reason to be thankful, look back to the gospel. Look back to the God of our salvation. Look back to the fellowship of believers. Look back to those things that can never change, can never be broken, that are the most important. And what we find when we look back to those things, no matter our present situation we always have far more to be thankful for than anything this world can give we as believers should always be abundantly thankful people let's not wait till thanksgiving day or thanksgiving service to be thankful let's pray Father, we do love you and we do give you thanks for who you are, for what you've done, for that grace of salvation, that continuing grace in our lives, the confidence that we have in the gospel, that if you brought us to Christ, you're going to keep us in Christ and you're going to take us with Christ to glory. Now, Father, because we have so much hope and so much assurance in who you are and in what you've done, Father, may that motivate us to be involved in, in any way we can in helping to get that message to those around us, those right beside us, and taking it to the ends of the earth, Lord. 
And teach us, Father, teach us during this season most of all that when we're talking about Thanksgiving, Father, teach us how to be thankful. Teach us, Father, as, as Paul, that our starting point of each day, our starting point of prayer, our starting point for any activity would be a mindset, an attitude of thanksgiving. Because you are so good. You are so gracious. We are so blessed. Use us, Father, for the the glory of your name, the spread of the gospel of Christ. Do a work in our hearts today. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.